0: All right, so the, uh, there were three state senators, three Democrat state senators, who introduced a bill this morning. By the way, uh, Mecklenburg County Democrat Senator Natasha Marcus lied. It's two pages, not one page. I mean, granted, the second page just says this act is effective when it becomes law. But it's still, it's, it goes on to the second page. I just shrank it down in order to get it on a single page. She said it was a single page, and that was not true, so that's a lie. So Jay says, "How do politicians speak with a straight face on this stuff? It's uh it is pretty amazing. It really is. It's pretty amazing to be able to like to have the chutzpah to get up there and and make these arguments that are completely transparent. And at odds with your arguments that you've made on all of these other things now I'm sure I'm sure that when presented with the the hypocrisy on display right when they say we we should be able to declare a seat vacant if you flip your party affiliation they want to declare that seat vacant in order to prevent the it's the we hate Trisha Cotham Act. Uh, And so, like, you know, never again, Trisha Cawtham, right? and, and, And so they're so angry that they're going to pass this law, which they can't because they don't have control. But they get as a minority party, they get to run these bills and they get to, you know, make these these rants and these these speeches. And they they know that these bills will not become law. And so you just get to throw the firebombs. You're not actually governing. You're not actually getting solutions. And you know me. I'm all about solutions. And so you're not actually getting stuff done. You're just throwing bombs. Okay. But I'm going to treat this as if you were making a serious proposal. Because it's just so darn fun. What Rush used to say, You, you highlight the absurd by being absurd. But in this case, it's all their same arguments. So they say that the seat belongs to the party. That's what they're saying that these legislative seats belong to the party because if you flip parties, they want to declare the seat vacant. So that tells you who owns the seat, whoever wins the seat. They are simply a warm body for the Democrat party ideas, big tent and all, you know, it's such a big tent, which ironically, this is the very reason that Trisha Cotham cited as to why she flipped affiliation, as to why she became a Republican, that the Democrats had become so constricted in their ideological rigor mortis that they could not allow anyone else to have different ideas about anything else. It started when she first had a meeting with some organization, I think it was a convention of states group, and, and she got all this blowback from her fellow Democrats. Think about that. A convention of states group comes to meet, constituents, comes to meet their lawmaker. And she meets with them. And simply taking a meeting with a convention of states group draws the ire of her Democrat colleagues. A convention of states is called for and spelled out in the Constitution. Why would she face any blowback from any organization That has organized itself around a constitutional principle. Why would you do that? Why would that? because Because they're asking for limited government or term limits at the national level. You're a state representative. You're supposed to want those things too. That's why we have a federalist system. You as a state lawmaker, a state senator. In this case, with Natasha Marcus, as a state lawmaker, you're supposed to be protecting the interests of the state against encroachment of the federal government. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And just because you're ignorant of that fact doesn't mean Cotham or anybody else, for that matter, would do anything wrong by meeting with people who are calling for a convention of states. That's how you amend the Constitution. In fact, if you didn't have... well. Let me just not be crude about it. If you if you think about it, okay, if you think about it with a clear head that's not stuck someplace, you'd realize that you, too, could could enact constitutional amendments using this process, not this process, because you'd have to start your own. But like a constitutional convention is how the states are allowed to go up and get things considered in congress when congress refuses to consider them itself that's the tool because congress they can they they're they're having constitutional conventions all the time every time they meet they get to propose constitutional amendments just because they haven't doesn't recently uh, doesn't mean they cannot that's how that's that's the other track you got two tracks one congress makes a recommendation for an amendment two States make a recommendation after a convention. They make recommendations. But either way, the approval process is the same after that. They're just different ways to initiate the process. The fact that Democrats would object to Cotham even having a meeting with somebody about a convention of states tells me more about their ignorance of the Constitution and their role in this governing system. And that's kind of terrifying. That's kind of terrifying. But then again, those are progressives. That's what they want, right? They want a national government. Anyway, they believe through this legislation, they believe that the the seat is the parties. Because if somebody were to run for the seat and then flip their affiliation, I guess even to be unaffiliated, they would then have to hold uh, another election because the, the, the law would say that that seat has now been vacated. So the person doesn't hold the seat. The party holds the seat. Once again, I'm not sure that they have thought this through. I'm not sure that any journalists thought it through because to me, like this is all pretty obvious. It's also uh, it also flies in the face of what their arguments were when uh, when we were talking about school board races being nonpartisan. Republicans wanted to make them partisan because, look, Republicans know that if they make them partisan, they'll probably win more seats. Them being the party saying, you know, hey, parents should have the ability to protect their kids from porn in the school library. I mean, that radical position. Hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be teaching, uh, you know, fourth graders or third graders how to perform oral sex on each other. Like, that's the radical position that the Republicans are taking nowadays. Um, and so if you want to see the kitty porn uh, then you obviously align with the Democrats. And so maybe they're a little bit uncomfortable with this idea. I don't know, being attached to the D. And so they say, you know what? Can't have D's and R's on the ballot. So they oppose D's and R's on the ballot for school board. They oppose nonpartisan uh, races at the Charlotte City Council level. They they oppose D's and R's for judicial races. And they want the legislative races to be controlled by the parties. So if you flip, then it becomes a vacancy. It's all very clear. All very clear. Very consistent as well. Right? Got a message here from Neil, who says, um, Pete, where was the Democratic outrage when Jim Black was bribing Michael Decker to switch parties? No, they reelected. Yeah. Great point, Neil. Democrats sent Jim Black back. In fact, irony of ironies, that very district, the very district that Trisha Cotham went to Raleigh to represent, she was appointed to that seat. And she was appointed to that seat after Democrat voters sent Jim Black back to Raleigh, despite the corruption charges against him. They voted for a corrupt Democrat rather than a Boy Scout Republican, literally, right? Hal Jordan. They would rather have had a corrupt Democrat and they voted for him. And when he got, uh, when he got tossed out, they had to appoint a replacement, and Trisha Cotham was the replacement. that very district. Um, if this bill somehow passed, the representative could keep party affiliation and just vote with the other party all the time. This is about as dumb as it gets. Shh, Michael shh dude. Oh. There's another recommendation from somebody, uh, somewhat up in Raleigh, I'll just say. I recommended that the Senate should pass the voter protection bill, let Senators Garrett and Marcus feel good about themselves, and then have the House gut it and put in some provisions that Marcus and Garrett would be even more proud of, like, you know, repeal of concealed carry or triple jumbo jet election integrity bill, of course. <laughs> All right? yeah, do a gut and stuff, as I call it, a gut and stuff. Where you, you take a bill, you're like, okay, we like this bill, you file it, all right, we'll move it through, and then the last minute you gut it and stuff it with something else. Except you would stuff it with all these things that they would be, that they would object to. Yeah. <laughs> like Like suppression, jumbo jet suppression. Yeah, there you go. We got all sorts of ideas here. That's why people listen Radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners, all the way to the most experienced preppers. Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at CarolinaReadiness.com. That's CarolinaReadiness.com. Veteran owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So, um, this bill from the yeah uh, this bill from these democrats yes people are highlighting the absurdity of this bill uh that would essentially make the seat any lawmaker wins a seat of their party not them or the people this is what democrats are proposing um Here's a Pete tweet. Essentially, they are arguing that people only vote for party and not the person themselves. The only values are party values, which says a lot about these lawmakers' mindsets. It does. Um, Russ says, Pete, it is so cute that you asked if North Carolina Democrats thought something through before drafting legislation and making a public statement about it. I can't think of many examples from either party at any level where they consider anything, but what's the short-term benefit For me or my party. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's and that's the problem here is the uh, the enforcement mechanism. You know, okay. so I'm going to run for office and then a year in I'm going to switch parties. And now you're going to declare that this seat is vacant. And so now a new election is going to have to be held. And here's another great question. Um, If a Republican on the Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court needed to be replaced, do you think Roy Cooper My good friend Ray, do you think he's going to appoint another Republican? No, of course not. In fact, he didn't, right? History showed us that he didn't. And that's what prompted Paul Newby to run against Sherry Beasley in the first place. Because Mark Martin retired, resigned his seat, it opened up the chief justice seat, and Roy Cooper elevated Sherry Beasley. Not Paul Newby, even though Newby was the senior ranking member on the court. But because he was a Republican, my good friend Ray swapped him out. See, so that's how the that's how Roy and the Democrats play these games when they have the power. because that's the because the way they play is in line with their principles. Now when you're in power, they're going to to ask for mercy and accommodations. They're going to appeal to your sense of fairness and norms because because those are your principles. you see? Consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. I can see it from both sides. I really can. I can see this from both angles that Tim Scott should or should not have gone on The View yesterday. I've got the audio but I'm curious what you think because there is an argument to be made that you're not going to you're not going to win any converts in that setting. And they're just going to go back to bashing you like they've been bashing you. So it was a waste of time. Now the other argument, the other side is that you go where, you know, these opponents are and you try to win some converts and if you just give up that battlefield then you will never convince anybody. You're just surrendering that space. So what do you think? 704 1110 and one 800 eleven ten. I've got the audio in two chunks here of Tim Scott on the view.
1: Senator, I I am actually happy that you're here. We we, we have some things in common. You grow up you grew up in a single family household, single mother household. I grew up with both of my parents, but
0: Okay, th- that's not the same. Just a heads up there, uh, that's a sunny hostin who's a host, which if you couldn't see that coming with a name like Hostin. But anyway, she's uh, one of the hosts on uh, The View. Now, Joy Behar, um, she was not there, and she's actually the one who said the most offensive things about uh, Tim Scott uh, some time ago that Scott was on to respond to, but Behar wasn't there. But Sonny Hostin was.
1: Raised in the Bronx projects amidst a lot of poverty and, and, and uh, violence. And you are the first black senator elected in the South since the Reconstruction. That would be about, I think, about 114 years. Yet you say that your life disproves uh, left, leftist lies. And, and yes. my question to you is, I'm the exception, right? You're the exception. Maybe even Miss Whoopi Goldberg is the exception. Oh, she's but, definitely the but but we are not the rule <laughs> this is, that's and so not a question. when it comes to racial inequality, it persists in, in five core aspects of life in the u s economics, education, health care, criminal justice and housing. at nearly every turn, these achievements were still not a question caught, threatened and erased most often by white violence. you have indicated that you don't believe in systemic racism. What is your definition of systemic racism?
2: Let me ask, answer the uh Question that you've answered. Asked does it ex-
1: or does it even exist yeah. in your mind? Yeah.
2: Let me uh, answer the question this way One of the things I think about and one of the reasons why I'm on the show is because of the comments that were made Frankly on this show that the only way for a young african-american kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the role That is a dangerous offensive Disgusting message to send to our young people today that the only way to succeed is by being the exception I will tell you that if my life is the exception, I can't imagine. But, but, I can't But it Im- is. But it's not actually. Here's. here's it's been here's 114 like, years. Yeah. So, so the fact of the matter is, we've had an African American president, African American uh, vice president. We've had two African Americans to be secretaries of the state. Uh, in my home city, uh, the police chief is an African American who's now running for mayor. The head of the highway patrol for South Carolina is an African American. Still exceptions. In, 19, in 1975, um, there was about 15% employment in the African American community for the first time in the history of the country. It's under 5%. Forty percent.
1: And homelessness and 50
2: percent of the folks, of the folks yet, in our community 13 percent oh, of the population. You had the chance to ask the question. I know I've watched you on the show that you like people to be deferential and respectful, so I'm going to do the that same is thing. True. So, here's what I'm going to suggest <laughs> I'm going to suggest the fact of the matter is that progress in America is palpable, it could be measured in generations. I look back at the fact that my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, when he was on a on a sidewalk, a white person was coming, he had to step off and not make eye contact. That man believed then, with some doubt now, in the goodness of America, because he believed that having faith in God, Mm -hmm. faith in himself, and faith in what the future could hold for his kids would unleash opportunities in ways that you you cannot imagine. Every kid today can look, just change the stations and see how much Mm -hmm. progress has been made in this country. Great ABC, NBC, CBS, ESPN, CNN, Fox News all have African-American and Hispanic hosts. So what I'm suggesting is that the yesterday's exception is today's rule. And for us to so suggest... So
1: America has met its promise. No,
2: of course, the, the concept of America is that we are going to become a more perfect union. But in fact, the challenges that we faced 50 years ago and 60 years ago should not be the same challenges that we face today. And here's the way that you, you measured that. When my mother was born... All right, hang on.
0: So you you hear what she's, you hear what she attempted to do there, to deflect away, right? Because he's, like, he's nailing it, right? He's giving, he's giving an optimistic, uplifting message. Progress is palpable. It can be measured in generations. Yesterday's exception is today's rule. What is he saying? What is he saying? What is his point? Progress has been made. That's what he's arguing. Progress has been made. And when you say it hasn't, you are damaging people now. People who you are telling that they need to be the exception, that there is no rule, that if they get ahead, that if they're successful, that it's through some fluke. This Remember the interview you probably saw it with uh, Don Lemon was doing with uh, Morgan Freeman? It made the rounds. It went viral because Morgan Freeman called him out. And he was like, BS. He's like, look at you. Look at me. Like, we're not the exceptions. You're telling, are you, you're, is the message to every other kid growing up that they can't be this? Is that what you're saying? What a terrible thing to say to people. Of course they can be. Who do you think becomes those people? Right? I'm a talk show host. Pete Callender, I'm a talk show host. You could be a talk show host, too, just not this gig. This is mine. You. But you could be a talk show host somewhere else. Um, <laughs> no, you can be. If it's something you want to do, you can be it. You can do it. When people come up to me and they ask me, how do you do it? I always tell them the same thing. Usually the younger folks say, start a podcast. Start a podcast. You're not going to know if you can do it unless you start doing it. And as you start doing it, you'll get better at it. And when you tell people you need help or you you, you want them to help guide you on this, most people will help you do so. This idea that I'm some exception that that breaks all of the bounds or something, it's just... It's debilitating to a child. Why would you say that? And so he's on a roll. She tries to deflect. Oh, so we haven't so we've fulfilled our promise. No, moron. That's the whole point of America is that we're always improving ourselves based on the ideas that if you work hard, play by the rules, treat people right, you'll get ahead. You'll be successful. And you could be anything you want to be. That's the promise. That's the more perfect union. And that's what Tim Scott is explaining. And she's got nothing. She's got nothing except depressive statistics, right? She's saying, oh, what about this home ownership number? And he comes back at her with some other stats. But all she wants to do is tear down the current state of America. And now you got to ask yourself, why? Why would you want to do such a thing? Protect your own status? Because that is one way, I mean, that, that is one way to go. I don't want anybody else to be a talk show host, so I'm going to just denigrate everybody else so they can't take my gig. Something like that. I don't know. Maybe some people do operate like that. I'm not one of them. I've not met anybody that's like that. Maybe there are people. I have heard, actually, I've heard some. I mean, usually like the famous people. <laughs> I've heard some famous people that behave that way. But everybody I've ever run into, they all want what's best for for others. So, like it, like the rising tide. I'm. I am, content is king. That is my belief. I want more creators. I'm a big believer in the spoken word format. All right, so here's the rest. Before they they cut off Tim Scott and go to commercial About 10% of African
2: Americans got a high school degree, diploma. Today, it's over 90%. When you look at the income, when you look at the income success that we've had.
1: That's an HBCU stat.
2: Well, listen, HBCU is a good okay. one because one of the reasons why I took the funding for HBCUs to the highest level is, in the history of the country, yeah. and then I helped make it permanent is because I believe that education is the closest thing to magic in America. So I'm about making sure that our kids have as many opportunities to succeed as possible. It's one of the reasons why. I need I an did,
0: opportunity to well, succeed because so, I have
2: to go to Bra-
1: oh, they' the
2: Bra- We begging. have more time, I'm just getting started. I'm not. I believe all. Oh, All people can see the
0: success that I've had. Right, okay. So the HBCU thing, I thought it was a little bit clumsy where he pivots, but he brings it back home. I thought he he stuck the landing pretty well. Because remember, his point here is to go after the Views hosts who said that systemic racism keeps black people from succeeding and he is the exception and not the rule and he's pushing back on that and so yes he's citing hbcu which is historically black colleges and universities hbcu stats about degrees and incomes and so he's citing that and then he gets you know does a little bit of like you know look at me <laughs> pat myself on the back a little bit which of course he was running for office he wants people to know that this is what he fought for but it's in line with his argument okay so now the counter argument here is that yes he did well But no minds were changed, and so it's a waste of time. All right, hey, real quick. It is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th. From 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock, it's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to mix1079.com and get tickets, and come bust a move on the dance floor, or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to mix1079.com, and thank you for considering the request. Should Tim Scott have gone on to The View, was the juice worth the squeeze? As I like to say. Let's go over here to Michael. Start us off. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pete. Right. Uh, yeah, I think it will be worth it. Uh, the only way I could ever watch The View, I'd have to have a large bucket in front of me. So I don't watch The View. Would that be a bucket of, like, chicken or something? No, a, bucket a bucket of. They get chicken. Oh. God. <laughs> oh, God, Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> he was very well prepared. He's a very intelligent man. He, he holds his own well in adversity. I think he'd be great in the debates. Presidential debate. I hope he makes it to there. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very inspiring person. Yeah, he has. He has that sunny optimism. You know that uh, that and there's there's no replicating that. And I think it paints a stark contrast with other candidates um, when you get up against them. Just like he did with these women uh, on the View, because he's yeah, he's were, approaching they, it from an optimistic standpoint. They were trying to be so negative, and he shot them down nicely. Yeah. No, no, I I, I I, would like to see him on a debate stage as well. Absolutely. Michael. He makes it. Yeah. All right, buddy. I appreciate the call. Thanks, David. All right, see you. So David French, far be it for me to quote David French at length, but he says that Tim Scott's performance was a good example as to why good GOP candidates should seek out opportunities to leave the right-wing media world and engage with real disagreement. Okay. I'm also pretty confident that David French would not vote for Tim Scott either. Um, and this is a sentiment expressed by uh, a writer who goes by the name Sonny McSunnyface or Sonny Wright on Twitter. And um, and he's a pundit, but he talks about um, how Scott did well, despite the hosts confirming yet again that they are far left-wing hacks with no interest in the norms or the decorum that David French expects the right to abide by. Tim Scott held his own, but it confirmed much of the media is a waste of time. No minds were changed here. He says, Republican primary voters are not tuning into The View to figure out who they're going to support. And neither the hosts nor the adoring progressive wine mom viewers are open to voting Republican. They are rooting for the hosts to insult and mock him. That's why they're watching. I like Tim Scott. I give him credit for doing well, despite it being a waste of time and masochistic endeavor. But the idea that Republicans are just some left-wing media engagement away from maybe winning over people who watch MSNBC in The View, that's just delusional. It goes back to mainstream media Republicans, quote-unquote, like David French, not realizing or not caring that lefties are not reading or listening to them. Because they're interested in reasoned debate. They're listening to guys like David French to hear them say bad things about Republicans and affirm their views. Exactly. They're watching you and reading you, David, because they're like, see, even Republicans like Amanda Carpenter or S.E. Cupp say Republicans are crazy now and Democrats are the only reasonable option. Even they say we're right. That's the only reason they're reading you. That's it. That's the whole game. They're not actually open to your disagreements on fiscal policy or something, right? They're every bit as blindly partisan and reactionary as people on the right. You can just condone their BS and still get invited to the cool parties. People like French and S.E. Cup misinterpret the left's interest in them as, see, the left can be won over if you're reasonable like me. Now, they're still going to label you Hitler- The minute you change from attacking Republicans to asking them to change their views even just a little bit. Now, that being said, I will say that Tim Scott's performance was well worth it, I believe, because he got so much media coverage out of it. And when you're as far down in the polls as he is, that's important. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.